There are a lot of great books in the New Testament, but none of them quite do what the book of Hebrews does. It perfectly marries the Old Testament with the Gospels by showing the supremacy of Christ, and it also encourages believers not to abandon the faith. Though the author and the date that Hebrews was written is unknown, believers everywhere can be encouraged to run the race of unwavering faith and perseverance to the one who is far greater than the prophets, the law, and the angels combined. Join us as we take a hike through Hebrews. My name is Pastor Aaron. And I'm Pastor Leon. And we'd like to welcome you to Calvary's Compass. We are now jumping into Hebrews chapter 11. There's quite a bit of verses here in Hebrews chapter 11, so I'm not sure what all we're going to get into today. Um, But I do want to try and get through a good bit of it today. Um, Yeah, this is the the big kind of climax of the whole um, book of Hebrews. This is what everybody quotes, you know, um, when... when, when, um, they're preaching, you know, faith is the uh, assurance of things hoped for. You know, this is the whole lineage of faith. Um, it goes from Abraham, from actually from Abel, all the way down to to where Jesus is, right? And so, you know, we go through these this this line of faith, um, the, the 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 faith that people had in God. And um, as we know, faith is dependence upon, like, you know, you put all of your dependence upon who God is. And, um, you know, you just trust him fully. You lean back and you just trust. And despite what circumstances you see, that's what faith is. Um, We're going to just go ahead and start reading, though. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their command, um, their, their con- yeah, uh, commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that when what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through faith, though he died, he still speaks. Right, because that's his blood speaking. Right, right. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, there was a command, um, a commended, I'm sorry, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in a reverent fear constructed an ark for saving his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going, but by faith, 
he went to live in the land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Mm. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she was considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as innumerable of grains of the sand and of the seashore. All of these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the, on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared them for a city. By faith, Abram was tested um, when he offered up his son Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made the, the mention of Exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, when Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was growing up, refused the call of the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth and the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith... He left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had enriched and, and encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war and foreign and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life 
Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goat and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So basically, Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about the lineage of faith. Those who have offered sacrifices to God to be made righteous. Those who were operating under complete and total dependence of, with God under an inferior covenant, right? This is before Christ. All these people were before Christ. And, and, and we see the faith of those who walked with God and who put their trust in God, but yet was under this inferior covenant that that we no longer have to operate under. You know, um, we were, you know, we read the whole chapter, and uh, my mind really went back to verse one because the one word that stood out in the ESV <laughs> translation, which we're reading from for this particular podcast, um, where it talks about now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence or conviction of things not seen. One of the things that the word is, there's a couple words, but this one particular word that keeps popping out to me is assurance. And when you look up the word assurance, you'll find some words connected to it, an extended word study where it talks about um, a setting or placing under things, putting under a substructure, foundation. I'm thinking, wow, a substructure. When you look at the substructure, it's normally an underlining or supporting structure. And so and it's, it's a, it, when it deals with construction, um, you'll find that it lar- it's largely hidden section of the building which uh, is built off of the foundation to the ground of floor level. So, it, so faith is something cannot be seen. I mean, that's why, you know, when you look at different translations, it's all faith is the substance of things, hope for it, evidence things not seen. For by it, you know, and it keeps going down the road. But this is the foundation that is invisible. A foundation, your faith, the assurance, the substructure, foundation, that becomes firm, solid. It, without that substructure supporting, supporting the foundational structure, it's not going to exist. The, the whole thing gets out of whack. Right. And so, so the assurance is the supportive, the supportive factor of what makes you stand in faith. Right. And I think like the biggest thing is like, you know, the, the, the trust, you know, with, right. with, uh, Thomas, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people call him doubting Thomas. I don't like to call him that. Um, you know, he was a realist mm-hmm. in my opinion, you know, you know, as soon as I can touch and see, right. You know, then I'll believe, you know, cause that's logic says that dead is dead. Right. <clears throat> you know, Jesus in that moment said, you know, that's great that you believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe yet do not see, you know? And so we are separated from that moment in time, you know, by 2000 plus years, you know, we physically haven't seen Jesus, 
but yet we trust and believe that he exists. Mm-hmm. We trust and believe that that he is for us. You know, we trust and believe that his word still stands today, you know, and he's still speaking better words even today as 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 we as we continue through our life. And you know, this this dependence that we have on Jesus, you know, some people don't understand, you know. A lot of people may not get why we have this faith in Jesus, you know, but when we look back at our life, we see Jesus's hand at work you know? and, and we, we, we see that it could have been a whole lot worse than what right. it was. Right. I could have died in that car crash. I could have gotten seriously injured. I could have, I could have hurt other people. And, and when you're in the middle of a storm, it's hard to look back and it's hard to look forward. You know, yeah, because all you see is the clouds, the feel, the wind, the rain, and all the things that right. connects to the storm. And so it's sometimes when it rains hard enough, you, you know, they call it flash flood, where it rains so hard that the water starts to rise. And 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 I've been in rain where you can't even see left or right. Mm-hmm. Really, right. you don't know if you know you don't know what direction you could go in if had you not already traveled in that direction before. Correct. <clears throat> but in those moments. We have to continue with our faith in the one who has a better plan for our life. There are things and moments in our life where we don't understand why this is happening. Why is this happening to me? And like we were talking about this morning, you and I, Dad, uh, we have to stop asking why and start asking, what What? do I need to learn from this predicament? Absolutely. I've been through heck and back over the past year, and... I thank God for that. I thank God for, you know, allowing me to grow from from my traumatic experiences and, and, and the pain of my life. It's made me into a better person. Now, I don't believe that, you know, suffering is for everyone, and he knows that, you know. But he he wants to grow his people, but we have to trust him in the process of that growth, no matter what it means. And sometimes it's going to be difficult. Sometimes we're going to have to take some of our old theologies and and throw them away Mm -hmm. for what he wants. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes, you know, you're going to lose your job. You're going to uh, face health crisis like you, you know, you're going to face certain things, but it's there to teach you how to have stronger faith in the one whom you've trusted in, right? And, and and you know that that's where that assurance comes in. That the, the overall substructure of what is not seen, but it's the foundational part. And so, so if it's our foundation, if that's what's not seen, where we should live it out in display inside. You know, no one has to say as a Christian, your faith has to be firmly solid. We would like to think that at some points and aspects, we do face those storms that question our foundation or our faith in God or our faith that we will make it through the storm. Right. But that's where the next word that like I told you, there's two words that pops out. The second word is conviction. So now faith is the assurance of substructure of things hoped for, but the conviction of things not seen. That conviction, you look up that word, it's also connected to that by which a thing is proved or tested. 
So the reason why all these people are listed, it's because they've been tried and tested yeah. through the storm. And when the end result comes out and they come through, they can look back and say, I, I may not have done it perfect, but, but I did it for him. I did it for him. And I, and I took a step of faith through the storm each step of the way. And I honored God the best way I could. And, and so, no, so like, you know, where you're, you're hitting on Abel and you're, you're hitting on Enoch, you're hitting on Abraham, you're hitting on Moses, all these people, Noah, all these people had gone through um, things that make them question their faith, their substance, their yeah. assurance, their substructure. Right. Is this really worth believing in the things I need to believe in? Right. What I'm facing around. If, you know, the common question, if God really loves me, then why? Remember, we were talking about that. Yeah. Why am I going through this? And you said it. It's not the why. We should always now, from this point forward in our life, start be start to be asking what? What is it that I need to learn? What is it that you're trying to say? What is it that I need to understand? What is it that performs your will and you get glory from. Right. All these things, the what's, not the why, because it's easy to ask God why, but reality is the what. And I'm glad you brought that up. It is the what that we need to be asking because we're always in a learning process, which sub-supports the faith. Right. It, at the end, it solidifies the faith you're believing to hope ha to have. Right. See, people think of those things as an attack against you of the enemy. Mm -hmm. The enemy has no power over no. you. Mm -mm. The enemy has no power to attack you. Right. Than, than, than what God gives him. God allows things to happen not to punish you either, mm -hmm. yep. but to solidify your faith in him. Right. And, and in those moments, you could go either of two ways. You could go away from God, mm -hmm. or you could draw even closer to Correct. God. And that's where your choice has to be. I mean, I'm not saying this is going to happen nowadays, because I don't think that, I don't think so, right? People can translate it however they want, but I don't think so. I don't, I'm, I don't think persecution via killing of Christians is going to happen in America as long as we're alive. Right. It's happening overseas, Yes. We understand that, and you know they're dying for their faith. They're dying for their faith. People back in the uh, Old Testament, you know, not Old Testament, even even you know, w with uh, after Jesus died and res resurrected, um, you know, we see the rise of Nero, and Nero killed millions and millions of Christians. Yeah. You know, he would, he would. Um, he would come up with the most notorious of things to to do to Christians. I mean, there was many, many, many things. One would be he would literally dip Christians in mm. what is lighter fluid nowadays and would set them on fire, and they would light his garden at nighttime so he could take a stroll through it. Um, he would literally plant um, wasp nests in their stomachs, he would cut open their stomachs and and put wasp nests in their stomachs, and and the wasps would actually eat them from the inside out. 
um, he would stick them from the neck down in a barrel uh, filled with rats. And the rats would eat them to try to get out of the barrel. Uh, we know the circus, you know, how he would throw them in to be eaten alive by these lions. He would literally boil people alive, tar them alive. Uh, the, like I said, the m- most notorious of things, there was this one where he would tie their hands to one horse, tie their feet to another, and have the horses run in opposite directions, tearing them in half. Um, there was this uh, another torture device that he came up with, and I've done a lot of <laughs> research. I into can this, tell. <laughs> um, where it's called the horse's saddle, and and it would actually be in the shape of a triangle, and it would be sharp. And what he would do is have Christians, specifically female ones, sit on the horse's bridle and put weights on their legs, um, and it would literally cut them in half from the bottom all the way up until they would either bleed out or, or, you know, pass out. And, you know, like I said, he would come up with these most notorious ways to torture and kill Christians, and they faced that head-on, saying, no matter if I die or not, I'm still going to worship and serve God because my faith in him, my faith in him just is so strong, and I know that what I believe is so true that I'm willing to die for what I believe in. And that's assurance. That's the confidence. That is that substructure, um, foundation that we stand on. And it's, it's real. Um, you know, it's hard for people to have faith in someone or something that cannot see. You know, that's the Israelites' problem. When they left Egypt, they, they you know, they, they got tired of not seeing God, so they needed to do something about that, um, which God reprimanded them. Um, at some point in our faith walk, and in the reason, and so the writer points out a lot more than you know what I named, for the simple fact is to show us the different ways people can have faith in face of circumstances, in the face of things that, I mean, you know, you talked about even with Moses, you know, when he was born, those those scenarios that, you know, they wanted to kill the firstborn and various things of that nature. Um, you know, the Red Sea, you know, that was a challenging faith marker for for him and for the people and various things. So, you know, Samson, all, I mean, down the line, these are an assurance. I have to be assured. My assurance, my confidence, my hope. Everything that that evolves into what I call my faith, it is whom do you put your trust in? And so when we can't see, touch, and feel a lot of the times in our faith walk, it's hard to be staying or feel that you're staying connected to something. It's like being married in your spouse or in any type of relationship. When you, when you sense there's a struggle and a pull and a tension, it's, it's hard to feel that you are... Uh, still going in the same direction. And so, therefore, that communication comes that you need assurance to make sure that your relationship is going in where it needs to go. It's the same process in our faith walk. Our, that assurance is, is a confidence. As a, that assurance is, I know through everything that I'm going through, everything that I'm facing as a believer, as a child of God, uh, it, there's got to be reward at the end. There's got to be at some point when when I get relief, I can stop and look back and see all the things God has brought me through, brought me from, and bringing me to. I'm going somewhere. I'm walking this walk of faith. 
I'm standing on the substance. I preached a message when I was associate pastor here a while back ago, <laughs> over 18 years ago. Long time. Um, actually, more than that. But, um, um, and I preached about faith. I remember doing that, and I had an example, an object lesson. I had uh, a plyboard, and then I had uh, uh, bricks on each side of the plyboard, and and I stacked up the substance of what faith is. Faith gives you the opportunity to walk on things that you say you shouldn't be able to. And and and, and so when in those moments when you feel you can't walk on things, when you feel that you can't survive another minute because it's overwhelming, life is overwhelming, things are overwhelming, and your heart feels overwhelmed, your mind feels bombarded down, that's when God says it's, you've got to continue to walk out in your faith. You've got to trust me that I know everything about your life. I know the beginning and the end. I was there when you were born and conceived. And born, and I will be there when you draw your last breath. Should God, you know, not, you know, Jesus should tarry. I, I know your beginning and your end. See, that's why he's the Alpha and the Omega. So, so this whole walk that we're walking, though we do face the struggles, though we do face the hardship, though we do face hard times and, and, we, and we're tired and we're weary, we're worn out, God is saying, just have faith. It's that subtle voice. Because sometimes you feel like you want to throw in the towel and you want to say, I'm just over it. I'm done. I'm over it. But that's when faith rises up and says, no, I'm more than over it. I am an overcomer. Right. Because glory will come out of it. Yeah. And and there was a an early father of the church. His mm-hmm. name was uh, Polycarp. I don't know if you've heard of him. Mm-hmm. And so he was martyred for the faith and belief in, in Jesus. And he trusted Jesus all the way through until his dying breath. And and something miraculous actually happened through his suffering. Um, so what they did was they actually tied him to a stake and started to burn him alive. Mm. And while he was burning, you know, one would assume that you would be smelling flesh. And actually what his body started releasing was the smell of frankincense and myrrh. Mm. And and he was alive. He was still alive. And so what happened was the guards actually stabbed him. And so much blood poured out that it extinguished the fire that was around him, literally. And the witnesses wrote and saw out of his wound flow flew a dove. Out of his wound, yeah. So representing, right? And then it says that um, I forget which author wrote that, um, but they said that many people came to the faith through his sacrifice because of what they saw, wow. smelled, and heard. And so, you know, what what you may be going through may be painful and, and may hurt, but the glory that's going to come out of your life is going to impact so many people that, that you're going to thank God that you went through that. You know, there are many things in your life, I know, in my life, too, that, that we've been through that was just absolute torture mm. in the moment. Yeah. But looking back on it, you know, we thank God for, for, for that because so much glory came out of it and it's still coming yeah. out of it. And that's, those things are supposed to push you to God, not away from God. And so when, when you're going, when, when, when you go through those hardships— and, and, and there's, again, the examples of those 
that were mentioned, honorable mentions, shout outs, shout outs, that went through hardships, that they stood in faith. It's, again, a reminder how important it is that those moments that we face, the rubber meets the road, so to speak, or the wall that you hit, whatever that is, this is the opportunity to stand up in faith and just say, I, I believe. I may not have the physical substance in my in, within me, in my body, natural elements. Right. I still, my faith... I'm still going to believe my dying breath if it means that. If yeah, and but here's here's the really good thing about all of this. The author said all of that, and he said they saw the promise, but at a distance. Mm. But verse forty, catch this. Mm-hmm. There is a better, something better for us. Mm. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to be able to actually receive the promise. Mm. Instead of see it from the distance. Right, right. So not only does he take us through the storm, we actually get to see the fruit of what it's going to bring from our life. Thank you, Jesus. You know, um, it says that that they were committed to the faith and they didn't w- receive what was promised, but we're going to be able to receive what was promised because we have something better for us. Amen. What is that? It's Jesus. They Amen. didn't have Jesus back That's then. That's right. Back back in those the Old Testament times, they were waiting for the Savior, the Messiah to come. And he came. And now we have something so much better. We can receive our promise now. Thank you, Jesus. Instead of wait to die and have to go to heaven. What is our promise? We've talked about this. It's our righteousness, the righteousness of God. We are that. You know, we can live in those heavenly places now. That is the reward to the promise of our faith. It's not the fact that we can access it one day. It's that we can start accessing it now, even through the storms and through the trials and through the, the turbulent times of our life. Yes. And we can still have those encounters with God that, that, that strengthen us enough to bring us through what we're going through and to see what's on the other side of it. Hallelujah. Yeah. And there there is another side. There is a side that, that we long for, that we hope for, that we believe for, and that is, and that is, being able to see Jesus face to face. Yeah, that that's the ultimate goal for us. Yeah, that we serve Him with our life, we serve Him with our heart, we serve Him with everything about us. That our end goal is to say, I- I'm going to see Him. Yeah, that's my goal. Yep, I agree. I'm just, you know want to encourage those of you out there, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you don't think that there's an out to mm, it. Yeah. Right. You don't think that, you know, this could ever end or this or that or the other, but you know, there is another side. Like we just said, there is another side. There is the other side of it. And, and we have to have enough faith and dependence and assurance on Jesus to bring us out. Because he will bring us out. He will bring you out of whatever you're going through, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a financial struggle, whether it's, you know, a marital struggle, whether it's anything, you know, sometimes it it may not be, you know, what you thought it was going to be. It's not going to end the way you thought it was going to end. But guess what? It's what God wants. And and, and it's going to be better than what you ever thought when you're on the other side. 
the grass is greener on the other side yeah. when it comes to this. And, and, and God gives you the ability at this side of life to help you and teach you to make your grass green here. You, you understand what I'm saying? Right. Heaven so, on earth. Heaven on earth. So so there's some things that may not be to your liking or to your expectations because a lot of times when we hope for something, we have a high expectation of result. And, and so there's a disappointment that sets in because, it's like you said, it's not what I thought it was going to be. But it's better. But with God, He gives He helps you change your lens and He gives you revelation and illumination here on this earth to help you achieve to get to that place where your grass does grow greener. It I mean, it takes work to get the ground ready. I mean, yeah. I, when I moved in my home, when I moved out of the parsonage, moved in my home, uh, my grass was not the prettiest. I don't think we even had grass. It was very patchy, wasn't it? Well, we moved in the parsonage. It was patchy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm talking about when I moved, when I bought my home here. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's a greater analogy than what I was getting ready to say. When we moved into the parsonage, all right, way back when, oh, man. 2000, 20 years ago. 20, 20, 20, 2005. Okay, so when we moved in there, and um, summer had just passed, we were there, built the parsonage. You know, November, very. It was farmland at the oh, time. Oh my gosh, corn, yeah, corn. And um, um, there was no grass. It was all mud. Mud. We planted seed. We spread straw. We had to keep the birds away from taking the I remember seed that. grass. It was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. But now, I mean, you got to mow that thing twice a week yeah. in the summertime. Grass is, is a plethora of grass growing, but it took work. I mean, now there's trees and bushes yeah. and stuff planted down yeah. there. That was all the, by the work of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we did a lot of that work. We did. But, you know, but but there's the investment is knowing that when you do, when you put in the work of faith, you're hoping to get the result of the end results. Yeah. I mean, when we planted those trees when y'all were little kids, now you look at some of them trees, you, you know, your kids can climb mm-hmm. on them. Yeah, it's doing on. it for the next generation. Right. And that's where it's important. Yeah. You may not see the result you want now, but it, the result will come somewhere down the line. Yeah. And then I think that's that's the goal, you know. It's the it's the assurance that you know one day our grandkids are going to be able to experience mm-hmm. even greater, yep. you know, and 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 you know gives us the ability to have something to look forward to, you know. And we're in it for the long haul. Absolutely. You know, we're in this thing for the long haul. Whether we die first, whether Christ returns, you know, either way, we're doing it for the next generation. That's right. You know, we're we're doing it for our kids' kids and and their kids' kids and and you know we we've got to stop getting the escapism mentality in the church. It's got to go. the The escape from this world has to go. You have to prepare this world for the for the off chance that you know you, you're you're going to be here for a while. Yeah. And your kids are going to be here. Yeah. And your grandkids are going to be here. Absolutely. You know, I mean, people have been saying Jesus is going to return since the day he ascended to heaven. We don't know the day or the hour that right. he's going to return. That's correct. We don't know. It could be tomorrow. It but it could be a million years from now. We don't know how long that's going to be. So let's prepare this place to make it the best that we can make it through our faith. Amen. Let's prepare church to the best that we can make it through our faith. Amen. So that way the generations to come can eat from the trees that we planted here. Amen. Through faith.
But anyways, um, we want to thank you for tuning into Calvary's Compass today. I know we read all those verses and I didn't expect to, but it kind of just flowed right into it. Yeah. I just kind of got carried away. It's fine. But it all it all worked out in the end, I think, because, you know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. When you plant a seed, you don't see the end result, but you know that there's something that's going to come out of it. And, and, and so, you know, people who plant apple seeds, they're expecting apple trees not right away, but 20 years from now, that tree is going to be abundant with apples and you're going to be able to eat from it. And so is your grandkids. And, you know, you got to just plant and prepare for the long haul. Don't worry about the, the, the minor crud that's happening to you. Don't worry about the manure that you have to spread over it right now. Worry about the end result. And that's where faith comes in. Thanks for tuning in to Calvary's Compass today. If you like what you heard, share us on Facebook. Check us out on Facebook, Mount Calvary Church of God. Check out our website, mountcalvarycog.com. God bless, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Alrighty, we are now diving into chapter 12 of Hebrews, and I'm pretty excited to get into this. We only have two more uh, two more chapters left. I don't know how we're going to split it up, if it's just going to be two or maybe three podcasts. I'm not sure. But I do know that we have two chapters left in the book of Hebrews, and then we're going to move on. I think we're going to go with the book of Acts next, um, but we will decide that here, and we'll, we'll let everybody know probably within the next podcast. But as of right now, I'm thinking it's going to be Acts. Awesome. But, um, yeah, we're excited to uh, continue. I know I know we missed last week. We were having um, some things that we were setting up for the church. Um, but um, so we didn't have much time to, to get the podcast done. But we, we are going to dive in and we're going to finish Hebrews chapter 12 right now. And it says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're going to pause right there. Um, we we know that, you know, this this is a quoted passage that, that a lot of people quote all the time. Um, you know, he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that's running the race, and so therefore we have to run the race that's set before us. He endured the cross, despising, despising shame, and now he's seated in glory at the right hand of God. Um, and so here's the thing that we have to understand is, you know, each of us have a race that's set before us, right? And and it's going to look differently, right? It's going to look differently for, for you, for me, for, for Pastor Leon. Each person that, that that's, you know, each person's race is going to be different, right? What's the race that we're talking about? The the race of faith, right? The, the, the passing the baton to the next generation, Right, we have to take this thing as far forward as we can before we pass it to the next generation. And for us, you know, we have a responsibility to to have endurance, right, in this race. 
What does the endurance look like? It's 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 holding on to with trust the one who paved the the road for us for this race, right? Who is the one that paved the road? It's Jesus. You know, he he set himself aside and he he endured the pain and the the shame and and everything that we were meant to endure and he 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 did it for us willingly. And now all we have to do is venture down this road together. And then when it's time pass it to the next generation so that can t- that way they can take it further than what we took it. And I think that's the ultimate goal, right? In our faith is to grow, to store, to steward our faith in this correct manner and then to take the knowledge that we have been given and impart it into the next generation. That's what discipleship is. That's what we talked about. Um, if you, I don't know if you listen to us, but on on Thursday nights, you know that's what that I talk, that's what I talked about on Thursday night. It's this true discipleship, the discipleship of example, and giving the next generation permission to take it further by allowing them not to have to recreate the wheel, to use what was already set in place. Right, and I think it's important for each generation. And I'm not when you think about each generation. A lot of times we put it in a spectrum of having like age groupings. Yeah. But I think generation we're dealing with spiritual impartation and it doesn't yeah. and age really doesn't make the difference. Correct. Yeah. And so when you when you're passing the baton the race here, you know the, the uh, Paul talks about running the race, finishing the course. Right. And so this is the course Sorry. we're on. This is where we're heading towards and it's important that each spiritual generation is passing the baton, or I like to say, standing on our shoulders. Yeah. Yep. And and we are to protect as an older generation or a mature faith generation, mm-hmm. are to protect the ones that are coming up in the faith, so that when they stand on our shoulders, they have a clear vision. That means you you should not allow pollution to get into their sight. Mm, so if yeah. they're going to stand on your shoulders, they need to be able to stand higher. And this is that, you know. Um, um, you know, running with endurance, the race that's set mm-hmm. before. So you have to raise up a people to continue to move forward. Jesus raised up the disciples. You were talking about discipleship. Right, Jesus right. raised up disciples to carry the baton. Yep. Thus, therefore, and so on, yep, yep. they kept doing the same. Correct. Yep. And so, I mean, that that's the, that's the thing, I think. And like I talked about on Thursday, you know, we have to start focusing more on discipleship. Right. You know, because, you know, we get them into the family, we get them here, we get them saved, and then we're like, all right, you you can just sit back now and relax for however long you have left or however long until Jesus returns. And, you know, but that wasn't that wasn't what Jesus preached. He said, now that you're a disciple, now you have an obligation to go and preach the good news and heal the sick, which will in turn make the the next people that encounter him right. want to become disciples right which when they do that they will then be sent right it's it's adding by multiplication right you know we we um and i saw this meme on on facebook and i think one of my professor my one of my professors shared it um you know we we it was a picture of the globe and a funnel and and the funnel was right side up and, you know, you pour everything in like it just slowly drips. Right. But but the the way that 
discipleship is supposed to work. You're supposed to turn the funnel upside down. One turns into two, two turns into four, four turns into eight, you know, so on and so forth. And until the whole earth is filled with God's glory, you know, um, we have an we have a responsibility responsibility and an obligation to create disciples that create disciples that create disciples. Not not oh you need to you know not these fear tactics which we talked about right. you know of, of you know be scared of going to hell and stuff like that you know Jesus mentioned heaven the kingdom of heaven more than he mentioned hell right. in the Bible you know he he mentioned discipleship so much. Uh, and, and and never once did he use a scare tactic to bring people into the kingdom of God. He 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 used motivation. He mm-hmm. used, you know, he used um, uh, uh, normal everyday people, you know, to go impact nations. Right. And that's what God is wanting to do in this next generation, you know. But it takes us who are currently in the church to have a spiritual maturity to want to disciple people, the next generation of people that are coming into the church. Because God told me in my journal times, he goes, this is the year of the prodigal's return. Right, right. right. Which I've, I also received that uh, last year mm-hmm. uh, as well. And th- 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 not just lost sons and daughters, right? but spiritual lost sons and, and people who have gone away out in the faith. Yep. Yep. And and obviously, you know, God says a year. It, it, I don't think it physically means, means the actual year. The year of 2023, but it's season. in the season, right. right? It's in the season of the prodigals returning. And so, you know, I want I want to note to, to take notice to this, right? It's it's in the parable of the lost son, right? The prodigal son. Um when he returns, and I think it's in Luke chapter like fourteen or fifteen mm-hmm. or something like that. When he, when the son returns, what 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 happens? Right. Well, he gives him a robe. He gives him the ring. But then he says, "Now go slaughter the fattened calf mm-hmm. and prepare a banquet." What what is the ultimate goal in Christianity right now? Right. You know, when we go to heaven, there's going to be a banquet for us. I think that the banquet. Is not for a future day, but it's for when the prodigals return to the mm-hmm. church here and now. Celebration, I mean, because that's when the prodigal son came. Yeah. That's what they did. Right. There was a celebration. Correct. And, you know, the, the thing is, when you deal with discipleship, you're dealing with not, I, I think we've we've lost the sight, Pastor Aaron, of discipleship mm-hmm. to the point that we think we have to carbon copy ourselves. Correct. Which, that is not what, true disciples you know you know jesus says go into the world make disciples not reproduce yourself correct and and the church the church in itself i would i'm I'm gonna use your terminology the western culture yeah good teaches us that that's what we're to do right so what you're doing is you're building your kingdom and not building god's when in reality you should be setting a parameter correct right and so when jesus was on the earth you know, and this is kind of what God gave me in my journal time today. Right. When Jesus was on the earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever um, whenever you see a shadow, you know, it's a direct representation of what is being cast, right? So if a person is there, you're going to see its shadow. If a building's there, you're going to see its mm-hmm. shadow, right? The shadow operates within the parameters of what the object looks right, like. Right, right. Right. And so, you know, like with Jesus... You know, he was given a parameter of how to operate, and he lived within that parameter. 
So with us, we have been given a parameter to live under. He gives us the freedom to do it how we see fit, Mm. but we're still given a parameter to live in and by in order to bring God's glory to the earth. So discipleship is not, oh, copy me, copy me, copy me. It's imitate Christ right? Imitate Christ and, and live within the parameter that he has set, the parameter of love, the parameter of, of, of selflessness, the parameter of giving, mm-hmm. you know? And when we live in this param- parameter, you know, it, it is, it's not going to look the same for everybody, but it's going to get the same result in mm-hmm. the end, right? right? It's, it's leading up to the harvest. You're going to do it differently than I'm going to do it. And the one, those who are listening to us is going to do it different than, differently than each other. But the end goal is to see the lost return to home. Right. And and however you do that, you must do it within the parameter of what God's already set, right? If I, if I am in Christ, he is in me, then God is in me and I'm in God. And so, you know, he, he gives us a, um, a lifestyle to live by. But he doesn't dictate to you, oh, you have to do this on this day, this on this day, this on this day. There are some days that he does do that, Correct. right? Yeah. But but most days than not, you know, God just says, you go, you live your life within this parameter, and you will see my glory come through it. Well, you know, when you're dealing with the, you know, fortunately you said, you know, uh, a shadow. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're dealing, when it talks about, since we are surrounded so by a great cloud of witnesses, mm-hmm. you're dealing with the shadow of Jesus. Yeah. He is overshadowing us. He cast his shadow on us that he leads. Psalm 91. Psalm 91 that he leads. I mean, if you go back to our previous podcast of Hebrews 5, mm-hmm. where it talks about, you know, you know, let us run with endurance. There's mm-hmm. people who were not able to run with endurance. And Hebrews 5 talks about that, um, where it talks about that, um, you, you know, you ought to be teachers by now. Uh-huh. But you're not. Yeah, you're, you're stuck on you're the... You're stuck um, on the elementary, elementary truth. Elementary truth, right. It is because you're not running moving forward. There's a lot of people running in life, but they're not running forward. They're running See, away from things. And this is a revelation that God gave me. You know, there are two people, okay? Picture this in your mind. This is almost like a modern-day parable, right? One person is running on the treadmill. The other is walking slowly on the sidewalk. Right. Who's going the furthest? Mm-hmm. The one person who's on the sidewalk because they're actually covering ground instead of running in place. Right. You know? And so you can run in place as long as you want. But you're running in place. You're not moving forward. You're tiring You're tiring and exhausting yourself, mm-hmm. you know, in one place. Slow and steady wins the race. Correct. It's like that rabbit and turtle story, you yeah. know, growing yeah. up, listening to and watching cartoons and things. Uh-huh. But uh, it's you're right. It is the steady pace when you're when you're keeping yourself at an even steady pace. And that's balance, by the way. Yeah. And and you're you're running that race in a steady pace. Like when you're running a marathon, right? right you know, you don't run at your full force because, right. you know, by the middle, you're going to be physically exhausted. Correct. You know, um if you're watching somebody running a marathon on TV, mm-hmm. you know, you you look at it and you're like they're they're more sprinting than they are running. Mm-hmm. But they're saving their endurance so that way they can run the full race. Whether it's you know miles or however long they 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 run, you know you you see them and and they're at a steady pace. 
Well, th- you're dealing with endurance, and that's yeah. what verse two comes in. Is is looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who for with the the joy was that that was set before uh-huh. him and enduring the cross. So that endurance yeah. is though you may it may be uh, suffering of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then whenever we were talking about you know. We grew up in church thinking, you got, you're not suffering, you're yeah. not serving. Yeah, you but talked about that past Sunday. Yes, but what we're dealing with truly is endurance. In order to endure the things you've got to live through, go uh-huh. through, you have to understand that this race has to be paced. Yeah, yeah. And, and see, here, here's what we see, right? And, you know, this is no condemnation towards the current state of the church. You no, know? absolutely um, not. But we see people who get saved, they have this vigor and zeal right and 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 they're very like gung-ho and on fire for god mm-hmm. and then it slowly starts to dwindle away right you know what i'm saying why is that because they started off in a fast-paced motion with with righteous zeal um sorry excuse me more than what they could handle and they couldn't keep up with that tempo absolutely you know another analogy i like to use is when I was younger, I lifted weights a lot. I yeah, mean, that was that was what I did, and um, and um, I, I I got a pretty you know when you're younger you get you it's all you focus on uh-huh. is getting the size, right. and I got some good size on my had some I don't have them now, but <laughs> uh, it's my sizes in other places like <laughs> above my belt. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you know when you when you you know you go go to the gym when you're younger and you get in shape and then all of a sudden you there's something happens and you stop and then you're like man I need to get back in the gym what do you do instead of building your endurance back and, and lifting it right. the weight you're stacking the weight the way you were when you, you left off to, yeah. and then the next day you can't move you're hurting yourself you've yeah. you're you've damaged something you're sore and you can't even get back in the gym for a week or so because you just can't you can't touch it yeah and it's so true. you've you've lost endurance. You're just trying to push the weight and not build up so that you can handle the weight properly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and this is that endurance is and so it's important that when we're raising up believers in the faith, that you, you don't push them to go so fast right off the gate that they burn and fizzle. Right. I'm tired of seeing Christians fizzle. Yeah, this is still a part of the warning of the falling away in Hebrews five yeah. that we spoke of. Yeah, and so I want, and my desire for the church is that we teach people how to look to Jesus and and follow His shadow, like the Israelites in the wilderness. Yeah, cloud by day, fire by night. Yeah, well, I mean, even it says in Psalm ninety one. I know it brought it up, but yep. it was it's He who abides under the shadow, shadow of the, the Almighty. Almighty. You know what I'm saying? And and then you skip down to verse 9. It says, and it's because you've made the Lord mm-hmm. Almighty your dwelling place. Correct. Right. And and the place that he has prepared for us, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just a heavenly place. It's a place to be in him. Right. And so, you know, that's kind of what God's been revealing to me. It's that, you know, there's there's a dimension of oneness with God. Yeah. Where you're, you're in him, he's in you, Jesus is in, in you. Right. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's all, instead of saying, Jesus, come into my heart, it's God, bring me into your heart. Right. So that way we can coexist and, and co-abide together and, and do this thing together. Because, you know, that's when the, the Matthew 15 comes in, that mm-hmm. my yoke is easy, my burden, burden is, is light. light. Right. Why? Because he helps you carry that load. Exactly. You know, because he is... Abiding in you, you're abiding in him, and God is abiding in all of us, right? And so 
you know, that's where the endurance comes in. It's not the fact that, you know, it's, 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 it's not the fact that you're doing it by yourself. It's the fact that the endurance comes when, when you allow him to help you carry the load too. Right. Well, I mean, even the the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, God, you know, Isaiah prophesied for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And as the heavens are higher than your earth, mm-hmm. so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, your thoughts. Yeah. So, so there, so how do we know the ways of God, and the thoughts of God? Is it running ahead of God or running, trying to keep up with God? No, you walk with in step with God. Exactly. Right. And, and, and so you got to learn how to get that place of um, not only just endurance, but patience yeah. and the walking with God. We want everything at one time. Well, th- let's take it back to the shadow right. incident, right? With the shadows, does a shadow question where it moves? No. Uh-uh. You know, does a shadow debate why, why, why do I have to mm. go this direction? It no. just blindly follows. Yeah. And not just follows. I mean, think about this. There are people who can, and I don't know the name of it, and some of you listeners may know it, but that you can tell the time by the dial that's that's casting the shadow of the sun. A sundial, you, yeah. The sundial. You'll be able to tell the time. And, it, and a lot of times in the season that you're in, you, if you stand still long enough with God, be still and know that I am God, the Bible says. And not be still and do nothing, but be still in the time you spend with the Lord. Listen, be quiet, be still, hear His voice, yep. sense His direction. You'll see the seasons of the of the dial as it goes and shifts from minute to minute, hour to hour. Right. You you can discern the times that you're in, and then you can mimic what you see Him Correct. doing, not what you see somebody on the platform uh-huh. doing or watching on uh-huh. TV. Right. We're not here to mimic people, and there and that's a very common thing, not just in the the church, but throughout the world. People are carbon copying, yeah, somebody else. Well, people take that verse with when when Paul says, you know, imitate me as I imitate God. Right. You know, they take that out of context, right? And so I think, you know, we're in such a place now where we don't need to imitate pastors. We mm-hmm. don't need to imitate spiritual leaders. We, we we can be so comfortable in our walk with God that right. we can actually imitate him as he is leading us and guiding us. Well, when I was younger, and I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this, uh, I went, you know, I went to this Bible college and I... You know, my aspiration was to be like this particular person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I. Everybody's at that college. Yeah, and that's just everybody everywhere. To yeah. be honest with you, and my desire was if I, you know, I'm not going to go wrong if I'm, if I if I structure my lifestyle Imitate, yeah. to how this person's lifestyle appears to be. And so, but it, I got no closer to God because of it. My ministry didn't explode because of right. it. Uh, you know, I wasn't more spiritual because of it. I was just being someone else. In fact, in preaching class, this one particular person dressed like him, put a piece of candy like he used to in his mouth, combed his hair like him, and even verbatim remembered this pastor's sermon. Oh my goodness. So in preaching class, he literally preached a carbon copy of the sermon. So he was impersonating. Correct. And he got an F. Huh. I mean, he preached it down. People were shouting, standing on the... But it wasn't his words. It was somebody else's words. Yeah. And what God wants us to be, a carbon of him, not yeah. of someone else. 
Right. We're made in his, his image, image, not correct. in such and such as image. And we right? go from glory to glory, not because yeah. of what we've achieved by on this earth from other people, but we go glory to glory by, by what we follow. Mm-hmm. We follow. Remember that sundial, the shadow. Yeah. You can discern the times and the seasons that you're in in life and around you by knowing God, knowing his voice, knowing what he's saying, knowing how he's saying it. Yep. The shadow he's casting of the particular time and season that he's yep. casting it. Yep. And this is, I think, this is a definite spiritual revelation to our hearers because this is knowing that we are surrounded by the cloud of witness, which is Christ. Yeah. Casting the shadow on us. Yeah. Yep. And, and you know, he is overshadowing us and, and we're following and mimicking him. Right. You know, to the point to where, you know, our actions are his actions. Mm-hmm. What we see is how he sees mm-hmm. things. What we say is directly coming from him. We begin yep. to echo what he's saying. Absolutely. And so, excuse me. And so, you know, we have to get to this point. We have to train ourselves and then train the next generation yeah. of believers yep. to do the same. Yep. You know, and that's that's how church growth happens. It doesn't happen through um, special programs. It doesn't happen through, um, you know, this ABC ritual of, of, of what to do next. And it doesn't happen by, you know, getting the best equipment of cameras. I mean, we, we got some pretty good cameras, but, you know, it's not the best of the best. Right. You know, true church growth happens when you teach, when you disciple people to make disciples. And growth does not mean that you're busting at the seams and no one can sit in your church. Growth is when you, the people that's, that are, are with you in church, serving you in church, you, you follow what I'm saying? They grow from where they are. Yeah. That they can look back a year from now and say, look what the Lord has done in my life. Yeah. I have grown because of this. I have blossomed because of this. And when you think about discipleship, you have to deal with discipline. Mm-hmm. And, and so discipline. So that means that your mental state right yeah your you, how you discipline your mind discipline how you respond if you're going to respond like christ i mean it's just like you know if you're trying to stay away from candy it takes discipline yeah to stop eating candy bars and all the other stuff you got to say nope i'm not going to do it i can't do it that's not how it's supposed to be i gotta stop at some yeah. point and so it's the same principle when following christ it's a it's disciplining. Now it's not that you get yourself so stuck in order because I've been there. Mm-hmm. You get yourself so stuck in the order. That it becomes a religion. It becomes the religion. Yeah. And I remember, and I've said this story. And I'm not gonna repeat it, but I remember having to go through a discipline factor in my life at a young yeah. age, uh-huh. and that God messed up my discipline, and I thought I was I was not gonna grow or yeah. go to heaven because of it uh-huh. because I'm missing the steps. But God was teaching me then. You're, it's not about your five-step process yeah. and how to get close to God. And, and in fact, one of the things he told me in my, my devotional time, my journal time, is the Holy Spirit kept saying, God is not hard to hear. Mm. He's, not, he's not hard to find, nor is he hard to hear. Yeah. He, we, we make it hard to hear him by the other things we filter through, mm-hmm. the voices in our heads, yep. our own thoughts, we stumble ourselves from moving to where God wants us to. It's just, that's yeah, just what it is. I agree a thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a good point. You know, we everybody can hear from God. Mm-hmm. You know, 
We just have to filter through the noise. Right. And discipleship is the pro- going through the process of making someone like Christ. Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. I, I have to say, and I think you can you can relate to this as well, and many others who are listeners also can. But there was a process we went through a year or two mm, ago yeah. where we just, you know, we went through COVID, you know, and all this stuff, and all of a sudden the whole well, That spirit, was almost three years, wasn't it? Almost three years ago, yes. Because that was not 2019, beginning yeah. of 2020. In May of 2020. So almost three years. Yeah. Because that's when things started to shift for us. Yeah. And that's when God started teaching us that be still and know that I'm God. And and he started showing us the shadow. And I'm relating it. It's all connected in my head. He started showing us the symbolic symbolism of that shadow sundial. I mean, mm-hmm. we just stumbled on this today, technically the sundial part of yep. it. And you already got a revelation of the shadow yep. you were telling me earlier today. Yeah. But but it's it's like the Holy Spirit is bringing it all together. We, yeah. we had to learn. And that's discipline. That's discipleship. Yeah. He discipled us in the Spirit. Yep. And just like he wants to do for everybody. It's not just for a select few. It's for every person. Right. And this is why, and and I know I made mention to it a couple Thursday nights ago, but this is why now I've kind of like grown cold to the word, you know, I'm saved. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I'm a follower Correct. of Christ. Yep. I'm not saved. Mm-hmm. Technically, yes, I am. Yes. But that's not my identity. No, I am a follower of mm-hmm. Christ, a, a, a servant of Christ. I'm not... You know, I'm not. Oh, I'm saved. I, I, I follow him, mm-hmm. right? And 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 I think that's where that's where we've kind of gotten led astray. It's that you know we, and I think I said it before in this podcast, but we focus so much on salvation that we that we don't allow people to learn how to grow, right? Because that's the that's the end result, right? Well, once you say now, what's next? Then we become sedentary, and we're not going to move. Yep. And therefore, then we then longevity of years kick in. And then we go to start saying, well, we've been doing this for so many years and it's not broken. Why why try to fix it? Right. In reality. It is broken. Right? Yeah. How are you going to go from faith to faith if you're not moving forward or running that race? Yeah. It, you, again, running that race deals with movement. Mm-hmm. You have to move. Yeah. You have to go. Even the river moves. Yeah. And we know the Bible relates the spirit of God <clears throat> to the river flowing. And, yeah. You know, ankle, knee, waist. You know the current. Mm-hmm. There's a current that's going, and there and those who have an ear to hear, God, the Holy Spirit is saying you got to set the sails out yep. to catch the current and move forward. Yep, you have to. It's no yep. choice. Yep. I mean that's that's very true. You know we sedentary Christianity mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is is definitely become a a big crux to yeah to you know progression in the church you know yeah. there's the progressive church movement which Correct. is really not even progressive it, it's it's really just rituals well it's the same and i hate to jump on this pastor Aaron, but it's the same principle thinking as to say you know you need to be filled with the holy ghost and so we think being filled with the holy spirit is, is speaking in only tongues speaking in tongues that's yeah. just a portion of being filled with the holy spirit that's not at all yeah I mean, I would grew up to think that was mm-hmm. what it is. And I even raised you to that concept. But yeah. in reality, that's just a tip of the iceberg. And here's the thing, you know, to some listeners out there, well, I'm struggling because I want to be able to speak in tongues. Well, I'm just going to be honest. Not everybody's called to speak in tongues. 
you know? That's just a evidence, not the evidence. It is evidence. an evidence, not the evidence. And I think we've talked about it once before in the podcast, but the best evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is how well you love people. Right. How well you 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 represent Christ. Right. How well you do that. Love God, love people. Yep. And and when you when you are in the still presence of God and he casts his shadow in your life and you're discerning the seasons, we're recapping a little yep. bit. Yep. You're discerning the seasons, then you understand what it is, how the Holy Spirit functions in your life. He is a comforter, a helper, a teacher, a guide. He brings yep. back things to remembrance that you've heard. You know, whether it be biblical or sermon, I mean, different words, things mm-hmm. that are important that positions you for this in, season and time. This season and time, exactly. Yep. And so this is this is why discipleship is important. Yeah. I don't know how we got on all this particular part, but, uh, yeah, but this is what the Holy Spirit <laughs> has guided us to. <laughs> I mean, we, so we, 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 we were talking about running the race. Yeah. And I think and that's, discipleship, you know, yeah. that's, that's really what it's about. What is this endurance? What is running the race? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's what we were talking about. It's how do you run the race without having, you know, being in Christ? How do you run the race without, you know, passing the baton? It's setting up the next generation for success opposed to failure. Right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And we have to set them up. You know, we have to, we have to like like how you and you and I right yeah. when we preach yep. you 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 take Sundays I take Thursday nights yep. and and you know we share with each other what the holy spirit has given us that way we can kind of volley it and say okay here I'm going to set you up so that yep. way you can score yeah you know and exactly. when I end my sermon on Thursday mm-hmm. I set you up for for success just like when you end your sermon on Sunday you set me up for success right you know we have to Stop seeing the next generation of believers as a threat and start seeing them as a successor. Absolutely. You you can't be threatened by a move of God because if we're going to see no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Yep. we're, We're coming back to this. Then you have to welcome what it is that God is doing. That makes you uncomfortable. Thank God, we you must you've got to feel uncomfortable. You have to. Yep. You have to feel challenged. You have to feel uh, um um some point of insignificance to what you're doing because you have to feel challenged. You're not going to move if you don't. Right. And that iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And, and might I say, I don't know if I'm going to, should go there, but that's what the Holy Spirit had said that we're going to be used as a Hebrews four twelve. Yep. you know, double edged sword as we speak his word, not the word, his word. Yep. Cause we sit and hear his word and we tell what we hear. Yep. We're just tellers. That's all we are. Yep. And, and and so we say what he says and we're slicing. And that's what God wants us to do in our lives, in your marriage. Yep. Those of you who are married, you 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 can be the double-edged sword that will cut things down from the enemy in your marriage, over your children, over your finances, yep. over your health. Yeah. It's someone to come in agreement with over your health. That's yep. so important. To have someone, and that's that you're looking to Jesus, the found, the the founder and the perfecter of our faith. That's what this is. Right. It's all about Him. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we can continue on a little bit yeah. here because yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it kind of goes with what we're talking about. It says, yeah. "Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 
and have you forgotten the exhortation that addressed you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly in the discipline of the Lord. That's discipline. Mm. Nor be weary when we're reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. It is discipline, verse (laughs) 7, that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom the father does not discipline? Mm. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are an illegitimate child and are not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of the spirits and of life and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them but the discipline us but he disciplines us for his good and that w- way we may share in his holiness for all, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen mm. your weak knees mm. and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint Rather, be healed. Mm. Strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that the root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it may become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, those who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So basically, what is this saying? This discipline is not God spanking us. It's him guiding us and directing us right. down the right path. And and I and God kind of revealed this to me with my own child, right? You know, <clears throat> discipline is more than spanking your kid, beating Absolutely. your kid, putting them in timeout. It is like a bowling alley. You when 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 young people bowl, you put the railing up so that way they don't go into the gutter. Yep. That way they learn their boundaries, right? It goes back to what we were talking mm-hmm. about. The 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 thing that was set up, the parameter. Yep. Right? And and so they learn how to stay within the lane. Correct. What is the lane? It's holiness. So it may mean a gentle tap. It may mean that they might ride the rail sometimes. But let me tell you, they're going to learn how to bowl straight and how to not have any gutter balls by the time they get old enough if they bowl enough, right? And so this is the way that God is with us. This discipline is not him hitting us, smacking us, abusing us in any type of way. It's him guiding us and directing us down the right path and showing us so that way when we're on our own, which we will never be, but right. but 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 when we're out in the world on our jobs, we don't necessarily have to specifically hear exactly what he's saying in that moment, you know, because, you know, when times are stressful, you know, it's hard to hear God. You react out of what you've been trained. Right. Train up a child in the way they should go so that way they will not p- depart. He is training us, discipling us, disciplining us, our mind, our, 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 our conceptions, right? How we perceive things. So that way, when we're put in tough situations, we don't have to sit there and get on our knees and beg God to help, help, help. We know how to respond because he's taught us how to respond in that moment. Well, a lot of people, even adults today, misconstrued discipline. 
uh, because the Bible says God disciplines or chastens or corrects those whom he loves. And discipline is so important because just because um, you might be going down the wrong path or not going through the function of what this consists of properly, the discipline is teaching you how to perfect what you're doing. You know, going back to the analogy of your child in a bowling alley and having the bumpers up. At some point, you're going to sit there and discipline your child, not berate them. No. You're going to sit there and say, hey, Teach I'm, I'm going to use your daughter. Okay. So Esther, listen, when you bowl this bowl again, this time, don't turn your wrist. When you do this, make sure you take the steps proper and you roll it closer to the ground so the yeah. ball stays on the alley better. That's discipline. You're teaching them to discipline themselves to focus how to roll the ball. Correct. Same thing with God. He's disciplining us, not beating us and putting us in timeout. Because if you heard last Sunday's yeah, yeah. time in, not time out. Uh -huh. He is teaching us how to do it better mm -hmm. his way. Because yeah. our way isn't working. Right. So he teaches us his ways. Yeah. And that's that is important to 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 grasp hold of the inherent blessing. And so so we have a chance to learn and grow and blossom and help others do the same thing that it's not that you copy me, you do what I do and you won't go wrong. No, you point people to Jesus who yep. cast a shadow, the correct thing for us to abide, to abide in and, and under, yeah. And be safe in. The bumpers are safety nets so that you don't lose your ball. Yep. And that's what Jesus does. There's his shadow is the bumpers of the safety net so that we don't, as some people say, lose your salvation. Yeah. You, you, from, you follow what I'm saying? Right. I, I placate on that quote a little bit. But reality is you, you, you're, you've got room to make mistakes and grow from them. Right. Yeah, it's giving the person the ability to make mistakes, to Correct. veer a little bit. But but the, 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 the um, yeah, the, the borders are there. Right. So that you don't completely fall off. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's that lenience. Like I said at the beginning, you know, he gives us a parameter to operate right. under and within. And, and you know, when we go outside of that parameter is obviously when, you know, we, we you know, go, get off course. But, but you know, the parameter, it's a pretty big parameter. Yeah. You know, well, narrow is the way. No, narrow is the way means that Jesus is the only way. That's the yeah, narrow that's way. That's the narrow way. There's no other God to Jesus. He said that. Yeah. You can't get to the Father unless you come through me. Right. That is and the so narrow way. And so that's the narrow way. It's not that it's so hard to stay on this path. Mm. See, and I, this is where grace comes in. Right. And and the misconstrued teaching is, uh, I can do anything I want because I'm in grace. No, grace is in the discipline mm -hmm. as he's teaching you how to do what you're to be doing. Yep. You are not going to do it perfect. No. But you learn to perfect your faith. But the the point is that you are trying. Right. You're moving forward. Uh-huh. You're running your race with endurance. Yep. And and you're not you're, you may not be able to run that race at the first time. And I'm not, you know, I'm talking about running. I'm not talking about, you know, repeated life, reincarnation. <laughs> so let's make that clear. I'm not talking about reincarnation. Right. But I'm talking about learning how to run. Runners had to build endurance to run the full yeah. amount of race. Yeah. So there are times that's where their grace comes in. 
Grace is in practicing and, and learning. Grace doesn't make you start at the very beginning. It no. picks you up where you currently left off and then it says, okay, continue going. Specifically when you're jumping hurdles and you're not lifting that foot correctly over the hurdle areas, you trip and fall. And where you have someone disciplining you, mm-hmm. the proper techniques, how to hurdle over uh-huh. them so that you won't trip and fall. It's true. It's very true. I mean, it's... Man, God really kind of revealed all this stuff, huh, man? And that's awesome how the Holy Spirit brings revelation with clarity. Yeah, we weren't really planning on going that direction. I know that we didn't make it through the full book, um, the full chapter of 12, but we're going to pick it up next week where we left off, um, and I think we are actually are going to finish the book uh, next week, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But, you know, running the race with endurance and discipline, man, it, it, it it's following in his footsteps, but, like, walking in step with him you know we have to walk in step with god and and go where he goes you know and then teach the next generation how to do that and and the endurance comes in when he comes in and helps us and guides us and directs us on how to do certain things how to go certain directions how to do what he wants us to do and us learning to do that and then teaching the next generation of believers how to do that but we want to thank you for tuning into Calvary's Compass today. If you like what you heard, check us out on Facebook, Non-Calvary Church of God. Check on our website, noncalvarycog.com. God bless. We love you, and we'll see you next week. See ya.